Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. The thing I think is interesting about this trend is it's not necessarily aimed at the vegans and vegetarians of the world. It's aimed at the meat eaters because a lot of meat eaters are trying to cut back and they've discovered this stuff is delicious. I'm Robin Sessingham and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and southern charm The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. It's time to think about holiday gifts, and of course, we're turning to cookbooks. Our correspondent and cookbook collector, Janet Keeler, offers gift ideas for cookbooks that can be enjoyed all year long. Then, from Walt Disney World to SeaWorld Orlando to Busch Gardens Tampa Bay, Florida's biggest tourist attractions are rolling out hundreds of menu items that are meat, egg, and dairy-free. We'll find out why these new vegan food offerings are aimed, surprisingly, at carnivores. Support for the Zest podcast comes from Seitenbacher brand Natural Foods. Like muesli cereals, oils, oatmeal, energy bars, gluten-free fruit gummies for the kids, organic coffee, and more available in supermarkets, health food stores, or online at seitenbacher.com. For anyone in your life that likes to cook or loves to eat well, what could be better than a new cookbook? Here to help us sort through all the choices is our cookbook correspondent, Janet Keeler. I asked Janet what we should think about when choosing the perfect cookbook gift. Well, you know, when you're thinking about getting somebody a cookbook, you really need to think about them. I like cookbooks, so of course I'm always gravitating towards things I like, but you really have to think about their level of expertise, how much equipment do they have, what are they comfortable doing. And these days, too, you need to think about dietary preferences. Right. What kind of food do they like? Sure. What's their living situation? Are they in a tiny apartment or do they have a great big uh, gourmet kitchen? So all of that, I guess, plays into it. Right. And just because you have that gourmet kitchen, too, doesn't mean you cook. What about the new graduate or the young person who might be in their first apartment? Well, there's a great book out right now called Tasty, All the Flavor, None of the Fuss. And the, and, and, uh, the Tasty videos are all over YouTube. They're those, that, those really cute videos where there's no recipe uh, and they're just putting things together. Well, now they've done a cookbook. Oh, so they might know this from social media right. then. They'll know it from social media. You know, and sometimes when you see those videos, you're like, I'm going to make that. But then you kind of forget what it said. So they've put together a cookbook that's got a lot of the same sensibility. Really fun, lots of photographs, um, and, and great categories like one pan, slow cooker, bowls, five ingredients, 20 minutes, things like that. So I think that's a, I think that's a great cookbook for somebody who's just starting out. Are the instructions in that pretty simple, broken down? I mean, does, is it a... Yeah, I think the instructions beginners. are simple for beginners and also too the kinds of the kinds of food I think would be really great for for young cooks, you know, somebody just out of college like shredded chicken tacos, quinoa Thai salad. So it very has a very contemporary feel to it. Oh, great. Okay. 
So I really like to, when I give a cookbook, maybe to give a piece of equipment or an ingredient or something like that. That's a great I think that's idea. A fun, yeah, I think that's really fun. It makes it, it, it gives them maybe sort of a jump start. So with this tasty video uh, or tasty cookbook, I think I would get like a, maybe a slow cooker if I had the money to do that, if you want to go that far. But those aren't really all that expensive or just a set of baking sheets and pans. That's a cute idea. I love that idea. Um, okay, so let's say that's a uh, person who's just starting out. What about somebody who's been cooking for a while? What about, say, a, a cookbook collector who loves cookbooks? What would what would they really be happy to see? Well, I think that this year, the cookbook of the year, and that's going to win a ton of awards next year, is Tony Tipton Martin's Jubilee. Uh, And that's uh, Jubilee Recipes from Two Centuries of African-American Cooking. It's a beautiful cookbook, beautifully photographed, and it does something a little bit different. It's not, I think going into, you might think, oh, it's going to be soul food. But she actually, it's food from around the country, and it's a really beautiful cookbook. And And she tells the story of the dishes? Yes, tells the story of the dishes and where they've come from, and and they're very contemporary, too. Um, Like some of the recipes, too, she's got the Savannah pickled shrimp recipe, which is an interesting one, corn and potato chowder with ham. So there's some of those country ones, but then... It's just the contributions of African American cooks over 200 years. So, who our- is Tony Tipton Martin? So, Tony Tipton Martin, she was also the author a few years ago of a book called The Jemima Code, and that is a essentially an encyclopedia of African American cookbooks right from the mid 1800s. So, a very it's a very a very interesting and important collection. She was a food writer and a historian. She's the first African American food editor of a major. Uh, major American newspaper. She was the food editor at the Cleveland Plain Dealer. She worked at the Los Angeles Times. So now she's, you know, she's she's busy collecting history. And I just think this cookbook is, it's 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 one of those very important ones. You'd have it up on your shelf or on oh, your for coffee sure. table. For so sure. what would be something good to pair with that cookbook? I, well, if I didn't get the Jemima Code cookbook, you know, which is a pretty, a very big coffee table book, I think I'd get a cast iron skillet. To go with this. Oh yeah, yeah, that would be that would be great. Or if I was one of those kind of people that had cast iron skillets in my family, I might give an old one. Because if you've got someone who's going to part with one, you know it's all seasoned and ready to go. That's right. They have stories too. So now these cookbooks, I want to say these cookbooks are good on their own, but those are yeah. fun. It'd be fun to pair it with yeah. something. Yeah, else I too. think it makes it fun too. As as the gift giver, mm-hmm. makes it fun. What about uh, your friend or family member who loves wine and might want to learn a little bit more about wine? Has anything come out recently about that would be good for them? There is actually a new book that just came out within the last few months, and it's from a podcast. It's called Wine for Normal People by Elizabeth Schneider. And so she has a pretty popular podcast where she kind of demystifies all the 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 fancy some people say snooty ways that we talk about wine though she's a sommelier so she very much knows her wine this book is but she's speaking to the layperson yeah she's speaking to the layperson the podcast is very fun and it's it's an interesting book because it's extremely detailed i mean she takes you all around the world different regions and where what the wine comes from there and how it's uh, how it tastes it's sort of she cause she says wine is a game of geography and vocabulary which i think is a great quote but it's a really fun book oh that sounds good and i'm also kind of sensing a trend here of these Books that are getting their starts, um, well, lots of times books have gotten their starts from television, right? Television, Food Channel stars, but now it's YouTube, podcasts, Instagram. 
Um, well, it's interesting that you say that because all three of the books that I mentioned have started that way. Even Tony Tipton Martin, that started as a blog, the Jemima Code. That mm-hmm. was a blog she was doing about these books that she was finding. So I think yeah, that it, I think you're right that there's this kind of you know the 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 king of all media kind of thing that that they are you are branching out into other other mediums. It's giving it a boost too yes. because people have already heard of you. They've yes. heard of this subject, um, so they're coming. You know, gives them a little push coming out of the gate, yeah. I would think. I love the idea, too, that, you know, they do all this kind of very modern digital stuff, but then we're still going back to cookbooks, the we, written we form. Yeah, <laughs> there's still, still a market this. for them. So I would imagine we'd give some wine glasses with that. That's what one. I would do. Maybe some cool stemless wine glasses. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of those. And a bottle of wine. Do people you know. really use those little, what are they called? Those little rings that you put the on wine the wine charms? Wine charms. I, I don't. I suppose somebody I does. Forget, but I always, I have some and then I always forget to put them on the glass. And then if I did put them on the glass, my friends would forget what their charm was anyway. So <laughs> maybe you maybe you're drinking too much if you have to have a wine charm to tell you which one yes. was mine. Mine was the poodle. No, yours wasn't the poodle. That's mine. Right. That's just another thing to remember, isn't it? Right. <laughs> Where did right. I put my glass? Hang on to your glass. my charm? Hang on to your glass, people. Okay, so um, what about people who love to entertain, home entertainers? What uh, I know there's always some beautiful books that uh, have to do with entertaining. What's come out about that? Well, there's two that I really like. One is by Alison Roman, and she is a writer at the New York Times, and it's called Nothing Fancy, and it's easy DIY instructions for dinner, ta- dinner parties and cocktail soirees. The thing that's nice about her, I think if you if you – want to entertain at home, like dinner parties. Her stuff is really great because that's kind of one of those areas where I, sometimes I feel like we fuss a lot, like and it, it makes us nervous. We feel stuff. like we have to, really. Yeah. If people coming she, over, I'd better like be exhausted by the time they get here. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> if I'm not in tears, right, it's not fun. <laughs> so uh, she, I, I don't know if you uh, – no, last year she had, a, she had a recipe on the Internet that was like the sensation of the year. It's called Salted Butter Chocolate Chunk Shortbread. And it was all over the internet, and everybody was making it and talking about it, and I made it, and it was actually quite good. Um, so she she has a big fan base, but I like her sensibility. It's very modern and feels doable. You know, like maybe you're going to follow one recipe, but then you're going to, you know, you're going to make some other things that you know. But I like her style, and she a couple of uh, like she has a, a recipe for sweet and salty cream cheese tarts, which I think sounds really yummy and modern. And here's a simple one, melon with crispy ham and ricotta salada, kind of a starter. So it has a real modern feel to it and a lot of fresh food. And is it really nothing fancy? When you look through it, did you really think, I mean, if it's not fancy, what is it? I think it's more uh, doable, I would say. You know, it's not like, you know, you're not cooking for hours and hours. It feels like stuff that you could get done in a couple of hours. But I'm not still a, good. Yeah. And still would be impressive and, enough yeah. to have people over yeah. and serve it. Yeah. I th- sometimes think that we tend to worry too much about what people are going to be thinking about what we're making when I think they're just happy to be invited. Yeah. I mean, people well, don't do want dinner it. parties too much. No, we don't. But, you know, they they do want it to be good. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> They're giving up a night, uh, giving up a night in front of the football game. They want yeah. it to be good. 
And the other one, I, the other one I wanted to tell you about was mm-hmm. one called Beautiful Boards: Fifty Amazing Snack Boards for Any Occasion, and that's by Megan Brown. So you know, these boards are a big deal now: cheese boards, charcuterie, charcuterie boards. boards. Oh yeah, but there's fifty of them she has in here with photographs, and so they have you know some of the sample, like they have a gluten free one, they have a vegan one. She's got one for after school. Like, couldn't you imagine? Like, kids come home and they have friends over, and you have like a cute you know board and stuff with I don't know goldfish crackers, I guess, birthday boards, dessert yeah. boards, all kinds of different things i think that's super fun that is nice yeah i thought that was it's just a really great idea and then you give it with of course a really beautiful board board. yeah i'm sort of baffled like when is that an appetizer you don't have that instead of dinner you make a cheese board or charcuterie board for just if you're just gonna have somebody over for a drink maybe or would you do it before dinner when when do you do that i think it's an awful lot of work to do for a appetizer feels to me like it should be the main show if you're really going to have it so maybe you're having people over before you go to the theater or something like that yeah Mm -hmm. like you're going to stop by and have a drink and have a few little things but it seems like a lot of work than to now make a roast and you know potato dishes and a big dessert i think people would be too full well it's too much okay yeah yeah so it's more than an appetizer, mm-hmm. but less than an entree. I think it would be great to bring for a potluck. Wouldn't you be the one to show up with the big board? Well, that, you know, but how do you travel with that? Okay, so we're going to get off that because we're going to do a whole, we're going to do a whole show about charcuterie boards and cheese boards because obviously we That'd have be a lot fun. to talk about That would be that. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you have a couple other ideas, um, cookbook ideas for us? Yeah, I'm love I'm kind of liking this book by it's called The Mixtape Potluck by uh, Quest Love. He's the drummer for The Roots, which is Jimmy Fallon's house band, and he's he's got like 92,000 followers on Instagram where he's constantly, you know, posting photos of food and everything. So this is sort of like a celebrity potluck. He's gotten he's gotten contributions from a lot of people, Maya Rudolph, Amy Poehler, and all kinds of people. But he also has in there a guy named Eduardo Jordan, who grew up in St. Petersburg. And he's actually a chef. Yes, and he's got three three restaurants in Seattle, and he's won some big James Beards awards. So he, right. I just think it's fun for somebody who's in that world who like likes him, wants to follow him. You know, he's kind of a cool guy, and his Instagram is. Uh, Quest loves food. Okay. So of course it is. But he has, you know, pimento cheese dip with biscuit crackers, and that comes from Carla Hall, the chef. Uh, Eggs in Purgatory from Stanley Tucci. I don't know about Stanley. He's a good actor, but I don't don't know about his cooking skills. But you know what? I kind of – I do love him so much that I would be curious to see what kind of food he would recommend. You know, so it would be kind of fun that way. Yeah, I mean, I think they're fun. That's the thing that if you're thinking about the person you're buying for and you know it's someone that they like – Particularly, you know, Christy Teigen's another one. She's got two cookbooks out now. Her last one was out last year, and everyone loves her. And the cookbooks are pretty good, and they're fun. I don't really know if she makes that stuff. I yeah. don't know, but it's they're fun. And so I think that the cult of celebrity is pretty strong in the cookbook world for sure. Before we um, wrap up, what about giving to the children? In your, you might have, you might know children that like to cook or like to bake. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a, there's a fair amount of books out there uh, for for kids. But here's here's a new one this year: Master Chef Junior Bakes, Bold Recipes and Essential Techniques to Inspire Young Bakers. So these all come from that from that Master Chef Junior show, and the the illustrations are really good. The way they write the recipes are really clear. I think it's a lot of fun. There's a ton of tips in there. So my guess is that the kid could cook with a parent 
or an older sibling, and they both could learn. I'm not sure the parents all know how to cook either. You know, sometimes kids get really into baking, and the parents don't really know much about it, but they could learn together. Um, there's a ton of tips for novices in there. I love the um, – I say this all the time, you know, read the recipe twice before you start. That's always good things to remember. You That's know? a really good thing to remember. It's so simple, and I've gotten bitten many times by not doing I that. I know. It's <laughs> I always sometimes it's just a little too tedious to do, but then you're like, right. oh, it says I have to let it rest in the refrigerator for four well, hours. Well, that's the cookie dough that's supposed yeah. to rest overnight. And you're like, what? We were going to have cookies in 20 minutes. What happened here? But they've got right. the, a couple recipes, you know, banana bread with toasted coconut, chocolate banana split ice cream cake. So there's some really fun. So kid friendly recipes. Yes, for sure, for sure. And that the parents could learn something too. Yeah. That sounds really good. And I thought that would be really fun to give with like a monogrammed apron. The kid's name or something really fun like that. So I I think there's a lot of fun things out there you can pair these with for good gifts. They're great gifts. I think we're giving everyone their uh, Christmas list. There you go. There you go. Check them off. This is a very nice service, (laughs) Janet. Great. So thank you so much. It's great talking to you. Thanks, Robin. Happy cooking. That was Janet Keeler. You can find her list of cookbook suggestions along with ideas for what to pair with them on our website, thezestpodcast.com. With millions of visitors each year, Florida's theme parks have a lot of mouths to feed, and increasingly, those visitors are hungry for plant-based options. The parks are responding with some pretty creative and delicious vegan offerings, Journalist Sharon Kennedy Wynn covers Florida theme parks for the Tampa Bay Times, and the Zest producer Delia Cologne asked Sharon how she first happened to notice the trend. Hello, I'm, I'm Sharon Wynn. I am an entertainment and events reporter at the Tampa Bay Times. So basically, my beat is things to do, and that often brings me to Florida's theme parks. So I t- cover them as a topic, as a, I consider it a consumer beat. I try to see what they're doing and what people who go there might be interested in. So is that how you came across this trend of more vegan food offerings at the theme parks? Yeah, actually. Well, it's funny because I think it first kind of went a little viral. AP did a story that Disney World had announced that all of their resorts and theme parks were going to have vegan and vegetarian options starting this week. But I already knew that was kind of coming. And also, because I covered the topic, I had also remembered, wait a minute, SeaWorld and Bush Gardens had made a similar announcement because SeaWorld is in their, that company has struggled a bit. And one of their things they really try to push is that they are the friend of the animals and the oceans. And one of their big things was getting rid of the waste. Like, for example, you cannot get a plastic bag if you buy anything in the stores at SeaWorld or Bush Gardens. They They want you to do the recyclable bags and they don't do straws and then they're way ahead of everybody. And they had already made us a similar announcement that they were, they had actually experimented with the impossible burger, which uh, has, has made a big hit in, in the market in general. They had introduced it at some of their food and wine festivals and it was a big hit. They had announced that it was going to be offered at every, they have 12 theme parks across the country and water parks, you know, Venture Island, Bush Gardens, SeaWorlds, and they were going to have uh, the Impossible Burger available at every theme park and, and their restaurants. So they had already announced that. And then I also realized cruise lines had done the same thing. You know, <laughs> cruises are kind of notorious for their big, you know, buffets. They were throwing in, like, maybe feel a little less guilty about it. They were throwing in some, you know, hummus and some vegetarian-type options in their offerings. And the thing I think is interesting about this 
trend is it's not necessarily aimed at the vegans and vegetarians of the world. It's aimed at the meat eaters because a lot of meat eaters are trying to cut back and they've discovered this stuff is delicious. So that's, I think, an interesting trend to me that at the Epcot Food and Wine Festival, they have a whole, Impossible Foods has a whole booth there where they have a, a, a faux cottage pie. They call, it's a, you know, it's shepherd's pie and they have a burger and they have sliders and they're really popular with the meat, with the omnivores of the world. So that, I think it's kind of interesting to, to me. That is interesting to me too. And I know you live in a big meat-eating household. Your husband has <laughs> yes. his own line of... My barbecue. husband is a certified barbecue chef. <laughs> he was the planning director of the Tampa Bay Regional Planning Council. And he's, he said, I got a master's degree and I've been doing this for 20 years, but people are more impressed with the plaque I have on my wall that says I'm a certified barbecue chef. <laughs> Which Whatever means it takes. he and his brother went to a meeting in Dade City to learn how to do it, and they judge barbecue contests around the state. They do it about two or three times a year. But so as a result, uh, we've got like 10 different ways to grill in my house, and it's, uh, we are definitely a meat-eating house. But like everybody else, you know, cutting back cholesterol is not a bad idea. And if it's delicious, why not just go, you know. It, it is funny, too. At the um, Bush Gardens Beer Festival, which Beer Fest, it was, it was for five weekends last fall. Every weekend they had these kiosks set up and I took my son, Will, who's 21 years old. And, you know, we went around and checked and one of the, one of the booths had a, what sounds a short rib and brie sandwich sandwich, which, you know, sounds good. This is like pub grub was kind of, was the food they were doing with the beer fest, but they also had an impossible patty melt. And we liked that better. It was really it's still calorie bomb, I will say. It was on Texas toast and was buttered and there was provolone cheese, but the burger part itself was delicious. And we were like, we like that better than the short rib sandwich. Wow. Coming from so, you, that means yeah. a lot. When I think about- Isn't it? <laughs> it totally does. When I think about going on vacation, like you said, cruise lines are known for buffets and what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas it stays on your hips. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens in Florida doesn't stay in Florida. Do you think that's part of why these theme parks and cruise lines are trying to be more, at least have the appearance of being more health conscious? Do people care what they that's, eat on vacation? I thought what we ate on vacation didn't count. Yeah, that to me is the, is the more interesting part of this, is that this is not because there's suddenly a big crop of vegans in the world. This is consumer demand. I mean, we're talking Royal Caribbean, Celebrity, Oceana Cruise Lines. So they are not doing this just for good publicity. Their customers want this, and and they also are making really interesting uh, things. Like like well, I was at the Star Wars Land at um, Hollywood Studios, and they had this thing that's it's, it's vegan. It has this hummus base. They call it the. Um, the Lucian Garden Spread. It's in their uh, cargo bay at the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It's uh, It's got these uh, impossible meatballs and hummus and uh, peppers and uh, cucumbers and pita. It's delicious. And it's like one of those things, like if you hadn't told me this was vegan, I wouldn't have cared. It really is good anyway. So mm. then you kind of have feel a little better about yourself. Like you've, you know, so I said, consumers are actually asking for this, and that's, that's why it's coming. It's not necessarily just good publicity. The public is wanting to maybe reduce its meat intake a little bit without giving up flavor. They actually, Disney announced there are 200 different dishes they have, they're rolling out for all these different resort, every resort, every theme park, every eatery at the theme park is to have some options available. And I, a friend of mine also who is um, Christopher Spada, one of my uh, 
colleagues. His girlfriend is a vegan, and uh, he says, I'm always preaching this to the at the vegetarian restaurants. It's like, you guys need to be marketing to the meat eaters that this stuff is good. So, and I think maybe I, at when you're at a place like Disney, the most magical place on earth, maybe you're more open-minded to trying something new. Or maybe it tastes better... Because of where you are, I don't know. That, that, you know, you, you, that could be that could be right. They, they definitely also are artists in making it look visually beautiful too. So it might be hummus, but it's beautifully arranged with the you know with lovely herbs on top of it and stuff, and it looks lovely. And menu writing is a real craft. <laughs> don't you get sometimes when you read the description of some sandwich or something, you're like, wow, that sounds it's like it's fantastic. Yes. It's, anything it's just with a, aioli. I'm like, you had me at aioli. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Isn't that mayonnaise? <laughs> yes. It's not peanut butter and jelly. It's it's puree of, of nut butter <laughs> right, exactly. on a bed right, of... Not, <laughs> yes. Nut butter and fruit puree exactly. on artisan bread. On artisan bread. I'm, I'm <laughs> so here for it. So what do you think? You're in the theme parks all the time. What do you mm. think is the next big food trend? Anything on a stick is always good. So I'm always seeing, I'm seeing lots of interesting ways of, of doing. They do things inside waffle cones now. I actually was at one that had a charcuterie. But it was in a waffle cone. No. So it had the little cubes of cheese and salami and beef and olives, but it was in a waffle cone. So you could walk around with it. <laughs> I think it's really clever. <laughs> They're kind of like mad scientists, the chefs and the, and the, and the mixologists at the theme parks. M- my image as a kid of theme parks was always like, you know, corn dogs and, you know, burgers and they realize now that people like to try something new and different. So they're not afraid to, to try something out there and, it has been the big trend, by the way, in theme parks is these food and wine festivals. Everyone, you know, SeaWorld, Bush Gardens, and it's one of, it used to be, that was something they did in the slow time of year. September, October is traditionally the slowest times of year because it's between, you know, summer and Christmas vacation. But now it's one of their most popular things because people like to go around and, you know, eat and drink their way around the world there. Okay, well, when they experiment with fried hummus on a stick... I will be awaiting your review. I, you're laughing. I saw that at no. Epcot Food and Wine Festival. <laughs> they had they had these, it was like a deep fried hummus cakes, basically. They were like in blocks. Basically, you can't, you, you can't exaggerate. <laughs> you can't outdream them. Well, Sharon, thank you so much. No. This was fun. This was a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. Take care. That was Delia Cologne speaking to Tampa Bay Times reporter Sharon Kennedy Wynn. Thanks so much for listening. Subscribe to The Zest. It's free and it's easy. You can search for us wherever you get your podcasts or at thezestpodcast.com. I'm Robin Sessingham. Delia Cologne and I produce The Zest with help from Megan Tremble, Mark Hayes, and Craig George. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media.